This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 40. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 30. Thursday will be mostly cloudy with a high near 41. Due to multiple narcotics arrests, code issues, and months of police activity, Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced a lockdown of 34th North Street, Binghamton. The lockdown is in effect for 12 months as ordered by the Binghamton City Court judge. The owners of the property consented to the building's lockdown at that time. 34 North Street, Binghamton was deemed unfit for human habitation in November of 2023 and has accrued 46 lockdown points for instances late that date back to December of 2022. According to Binghamton Mayor Cram's office, during 2023, the Binghamton City Department of Public Works responded five times to clean up trash and garbage following citations by code enforcement. A driver who led police agencies on a high-speed pursuit in a stolen pickup truck from Endicott to the town of Maine faces several felony charges. Authorities said Samuel Pierce of Cander was arrested following the chase on Monday afternoon. According to the Broome County Sheriff's Office, Pierce was driving a Chevrolet Silverado that had been stolen from Susquehanna County. Endicott police tried to stop the truck on Monroe Street in the village, but the vehicle sped away. The chase ended when the truck got stuck in mud in a front yard of a home near Bradley Creek and Haskins Roads. Pierce was taken into custody. Deputies found a loaded 9mm handgun in the stolen vehicle. Pierce was charged with criminal possession of a weapon and criminal possession of stolen property. He was also charged with reckless endangerment and unlawfully pursuing a police officer along with 17 traffic violations. New York State Assembly member Catalina Cruz announced on Tuesday that the New York State Assembly passed a key chapter amendment to the Rapist Rape Act. The bill was signed into law yesterday by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul. This legislation redefines rape in New York's penal law. According to the New York State Assembly release, the enactment of rape is rape will be a crucial step in recognizing the bodily autonomy, dignity, and safety of all New Yorkers. The Rape is Rape Act was inspired by Lydia Cuomo, who was brutally raped on August 19th of 2011. On January 28th, New York State troopers from Wellsburg responded to a one-car fatal motor vehicle accident on County Route 60 in the town of Shemung. A preliminary investigation revealed the 2021 Chevrolet Malibu, operated by Isaiah Montgomery of Binghamton, was traveling west of the curve on County Route 60 when it exited the roadway on the north shoulder, striking a tree. Montgomery was pronounced deceased at the scene by the Chemung County Coroner. On January 25th in Broome County Court, Joseph Swartz of Binghamton pled guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree as a second felony offender. On May 4th of 2023, Swartz was found to be in possession of over one ounce of meth after a traffic stop by the Binghamton Police Department Community Response Team. Swartz admitted to possession with the intent to sell. 
He will be sentenced to three years in New York State prison and two years post-release supervision. On January 26th, Matthew Kaletka of Binghamton pled guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree as a second felony offender. On April 19th of 2023, the Broome County Special Investigations Unit executed a search warrant at 9 Sherwood Avenue in Binghamton. Kaletka was found to be in possession of over two ounces of meth. He admitted to possession with the intent to sell and will be sentenced to three and a half years in New York State Prison and two years post-release supervision. The National Rifle Association's outgoing CEO acknowledged that uh, at a civil trial in New York City that he wrongly expensed gifts, travel, and other benefits to his organization. Wayne LaPierre testified for a second day Monday before the jury in Manhattan, which will decide if he violated the rules governing charities and nonprofits and should face financial penalties. New York State Attorney General's Office sued LaPierre and three co-defendants in 2020 over what it said was widespread misspending and alleged self-enrichment. Items they claim he obtained against the interest of the NRA range include expensing more than $500,000 in private flights. LaPierre said ahead of the trial that he would be resigning as head of the NRA effective today. On January 24th in Broome County Court, Jarrell Thompson of Binghamton pled guilty to attempted criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a Class D violent felony. On December 23rd of 2023, Thompson was found to be in possession of a loaded 9mm handgun after a traffic stop conducted by the New York State Police. Thompson will be sentenced to five years in New York State prison and five years post-release supervision. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph, this is Binghamton Now, Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. Phone calls gleefully accepted, 607-772-1290. Feel free to call us, whether you're in New York, Pennsylvania, or any other state. We'd love to hear from you today here at News Radio WNBF. Good morning to you. Thank you for choosing WNBF for your information and occasional entertainment. This is Binghamton Now. And we do it every weekday morning from 9 to noon. Make it a habit. It's a healthy habit to go through the world knowing what's going on. And you can obtain the appropriate information 
if you listen to WNBF. Of course, start even before Binghamton now. You can listen to First News Binghamton with Don Morgan every weekday from 6 to 9. And then, before you know it, it's time for live talk. Local topics, local guests, local callers. And let's see. What is this? (laughs) I'll get to that in a bit. I'll read some of our emails. We do get quite a few. We do get quite a few emails. So we will probably probably talk about uh, what some of the listeners are submitting. First, though, without any further ado, caller number one. Good morning. You're on the air. This is John from Binghamton. You probably remember me uh, from a few calls ago. I do. Uh, Yesterday I went to the Broome County Land Bank, and that's a public agency, you know, a setup to give some patronage jobs to people. They have uh, a board of directors. Uh, All local government officials have to take an oath of office and file an oath of office certification. Uh, The oath of office is administered, and then the document confirms that the oath of office uh, was indeed effective. Uh, Now, a funny thing happened. Uh, Two of the board of directors uh, didn't show up for this meeting on January 30th. How many members are on the board? Jeez, it's got to be, it's more than, I think it's eight, maybe, and uh, maybe six. Uh, The, uh, so, uh, the way the law works is your appointment is effective or your public office is effected on January 1. You have 30 days to take the oath and fill out the certification. Well, yesterday was January 30th, and the meeting took place. You know, we were there until after 4. A filing, I guess, could be made at the county clerk's office within an hour. Uh, But the interesting thing is they they did not swear in uh, the members that were there. They signed the certification. So I questioned Aaron Martin, the board chairman. I said, well, uh, you know, how how is this – you know, possible that you're, they're affirming they took an oath of office, which they haven't taken. And, you know, he, he got a little wise. You know, of course, they were caught dead to rights. Then I asked about the members that weren't there. And uh, uh, anyway, today, uh, those offices should be vacant. Now, those people could indeed be reappointed. But the way the law works, uh, two board members of the on the land bank are no longer board members. Hmm. So I'm looking at the agenda that's posted on the website. So the meeting was held at the Broome County Public Library on Court Street? Yes, that's where it was. All right. Call to order. That was probably non-controversial. Well, the they didn't even take attendance. <laughs> I had to ask them to clarify. Really? Yeah, yeah. I said, could you tell me who's not here? Because I don't want to misspeak, you know. Well, right. Huh. All right. Um, so, yeah, nomination of officers. I see that originally this meeting had been scheduled for a week earlier and it was postponed. <coughs> yes, yeah, so 
if you if you want to find out if the people that are holding these offices are de- indeed holding them valid, you uh, uh, find out if they've signed these oath of office cards mm. and if they have indeed been sworn in. So, you know, and and actually, it was funny because they they appointed these people to committees, to committees, and 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 they, in other words, essentially, they appointed, uh, you know. Board members who are not board members to head committee. So it's it's a mess. Uh, it's very, very sloppy uh, in local government. And these people are just continuing uh, this trend where, you know, okay, go ahead and, and make me. I'm I doing what this, I want to do. On the plus side, the website looks nice. Well, that's an interesting thing, too. If you go to those financial claims on the uh, land bank's website, you know, so much money for this, so much money for that. And then you look at the 222, uh, no, 2022 tax returns. You will see that the, what they're claiming on the website, it, it doesn't exist uh, in terms of the tax return filing. You know, another thing I brought up, the land bank is a 501c3. That means you're, you're supposed to have nothing to do with politics, nothing, either passively or actively. And I brought up something that occurred last election, 2023. There was a city council election. And the land bank, in two weeks before the election, they had a uh, uh, photo opportunity at a property on the west side. In their press release... We're on Beethoven? Yes. 52 Beethoven. Yeah. In their press release, they mentioned Sophia Resinetti, who was a candidate in that election to take place two two weeks later, uh, twice. In other words, they're not supposed to be reinforcing. What did she have to do with anything uh, with that site on Beethoven Uh, Street or the land bank? She was in an election. She was the incumbent council person. Oh, so they were just trying to evidently boost her candidacy. Exactly. And an improper use, and it put puts their tax exemption at risk. You know, a lot of uh, school districts and a lot of other organizations have a 90-day period where uh, they're out of politics totally. Or if they, if they get backed into it, then they invite the opposing candidate. So in this case, uh, Kenya... Uh, Middleton should have been there. That would have been the courteous thing to do. It would be appropriate. It would be kind. Yeah, and so, but both the the uh, executive director of the land bank and her assistant are both activists. They're committee people. They, they a lot they of noise. Be- energy started to bounce. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a barking dog. Sorry. Well. Get out, mix the can. Don't be so stingy now with that canned food. You know That's what I mean? That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> I look at the price and then I say, oh, here, cannoli. Here, why don't you have half a scoop when, in fact, cannoli deserves five scoops? So thank you. Sorry sorry for the interruption. Well, no, that 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 that, that about will, will wind it up for me <laughs> today, you. I think. By the way, on the plus, a couple of other observations. These are just casual observations from the website. Uh, on the plus side, if you enjoy fine reading, especially at night, if you're having trouble sleeping, there's a 202-page report about asbestos removal at 52 
Beethoven Street pre-renovation survey for asbestos-containing materials for the structure and the adjacent garage at 52 Beethoven Street. So if you uh, yeah. are, are out of things to read. But the other thing that I wanted to note about the website, John, uh, although it does look delightful, and the presentation, by the way, is, uh, I would give it at least an A, maybe A+. plus. But one other thing, though, in terms of content, under the news section, the last news item posted on the Landbake website is dated August 3rd, 2022. So, and I know because they send out news releases, we do receive news releases by email, but the, wait, hold on, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. There are some more recent ones. There, There is one, actually, from two days ago about um, the property there on Nolan Road in Hillcrest. So um, I was just looking at the archived. Never mind. Never mind. Strike that from the record. No, it's a, it's a fabulous website. And I would encourage uh, city, town, village, and county officials to take a look at the Land Bank website and use that sort of for ideas on how to at least make a user friendly and attractive website. Of course, once your website's designed, the critical thing is to keep it properly updated. And again, they do have a very recent news release about that property on Nolan Road that they tore down. So it looks like they're doing their best to keep it updated. The other thing, though, that is of note, and this would be nice, whether it would be for City of Binghamton or Town of Vestal or any place else, they have a separate section under public information where it's clearly marked meeting agendas, meeting minutes and resolutions, and it's all easy to navigate. Even even I can figure this out. And so I don't know who designed the website. Maybe it says here at the bottom. Oh, it does say. I won't. I'm familiar with the uh, the outfit. Anyway, so if if you operate a, a government or a business or well even a radio station you could probably look at this and say that's how a nice clean website ought to ought to look so i mean well, I, I give i give them that much kudos this may be well and you look at a lot of websites can you think of another better designed government related website right now in broome county well uh no, because I mean, some easy, of them... easy to navigate and apparently fairly up to date. Now, of course, well, the first thing I looked for under public information, under meeting minutes, they have a slot for yesterday's meeting. Now, let's face it, the meeting was a 3.30 p.m. meeting. So first I thought, oh, they already have the minutes ready. They don't yet, but they do have the minutes for all the previous meetings plus the agenda for yesterday. So... You know, again, you were about to say, I guess, regarding some other website. Well, what I wanted to do was give you a coming attraction. You know, I don't really speak about things that I have in the hopper, but uh, I just want to maybe at the beginning of next week, uh, I will have something uh, that involves free speech and uh, uh, will... Uh, let's say, get some retribution against the people uh, that are ejecting people from public meetings or stopping them from speaking. So 
we're we're I'm very close. I'm having a meeting uh, tomorrow, and we're we're very very close to uh, getting some uh, accountability and perhaps some retribution. WNBF, where news breaks first. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, John. That's the story from the West Side making contemporary news on this Wednesday morning. It's nine twenty-three. So, what say you? Sorry, I have to do that every once in a while just to amuse myself. As uh, normal people would say, what do you say? What's on your mind? 607-772-1290. Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre-owned at GaltAuto.com. Twenty-seven at WNBF. Good morning. Listening to Binghamton now. Coming up later today at noon, Dan Bongino at three, Sean Hannity at six, Mark Levin. That's how we do it around here. We work according to a schedule. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Mostly cloudy today. High forty. Cloudy tonight. Low thirty. Mostly cloudy tomorrow. High forty-one. Mostly cloudy Friday with snow showers in the morning, then some rain later in the day, gradually ending in the afternoon. High Friday, 37. And for those who were curious, yes, the sun will come out, not tomorrow. The sun will come out Saturday, and it will return on Sunday. Sunny skies for the Binghamton Metroplex, the high Saturday, 39. And Sunday's high will be 40. So if you forgot what the sun looks like, you will perhaps be able to see it. However, don't look directly at the sun. Just because it will feel so novel and wonderful on Saturday and Sunday, please avert your eyes. Use a special viewer if you must. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 33. That's 1 Celsius at WNBF. Oh, the mailbag. Thank you to the Postal Service for delivering all of our email. Tommy from Binghamton writes, regarding Taylor Swift, Super Bowl, and MAGA World. This is apparently a reference to an item written by Charlie Nash at a website called Mediaite. A good website. (laughs) Here's, Here's a quote. Kara Swisher told CNN anchor Jake Tapper, it makes you look... Like that old man shaking his fist at the internet kind of meme. The people who are apparently 
unhappy. Unhappy. Are you unhappy with Taylor Swift? Now, I will say this. I've made a few passing references about the uh, TV networks and therefore the NFL's fixation on Taylor Swift. Personally, I wish her all the best. I'm, I mean, both professionally and personally. I, I am hoping for a lot of good things for her and her fiance. So I think, I think 2024 probably will be the biggest year ever for Taylor Swift. So having said that, as someone who admittedly watches relatively few NFL games on TV, I have to admit, just as a purist, if I watch a sporting event, my preference would be they focus on what's going on in the game, focus on the field, and as far as spectators, uh, whether it's an entertainer or a movie star or an elected official or whatever, uh, I'd prefer that none of that happen, but I also realize in the 21st century, of course it's going to happen. If you have a prominent person at an NFL production, of course the networks are going to mention it, especially if it means boosting the number of females, especially women 18 to 49. If it means increasing the number of viewers, I'm surprised because of the cynical nature of the media. I'm actually surprised that NBC Sports especially hasn't featured Taylor Swift even more than they have. Now, Again, I understand what's going on from a media standpoint. It's strictly about the money. More people will watch. Look, men are going to watch NFL games anyway, regardless. And many women will too. But this helps increase the overall audience. People who otherwise wouldn't be tuning in, they're going to tune in to see how Taylor Swift is doing on the game. So that's... It's the simplified version. It's 931 WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's Dave from Oligo. How are you today? I am well. Thanks for calling. What's up? Hey, uh, you're on a Taylor Swift uh, gig this morning, and uh, I, I can honestly say she's done remarkable things for the NFL, um, being that everybody's been calling it the National Fix League. She's got people that weren't even interested in the NFL watching the NFL now. Um, their numbers skyrocketed. And I, I just can't wait until she comes out and gives Joe Biden the endorsement. His numbers are going to skyrocket. And the amount of voters that are going to come behind her to vote for Joe, uh, I see another four years of, of, of the greatness that's going to come through. And, man, that's going to really uh, – mess with the other guy i'm telling well you. say this yeah. if if joe biden really wanted to ensure he would win by more than 20 million votes in november he would tell kamala harris thank you for your service and he would have taylor swift to be his vice presidential uh Absolutely. his running mate that that is that p politically that would be the best solution plus and plus you think about it, and we don't want anything to happen to Joe Biden in the next five years. But say if for some reason Joe Biden was unable to continue in the presidency for uh, his full second term, I know more than a few people who would be super, super excited to have the, the first president of the United States named Taylor. So 
I'm just saying. I mean, we've had we've had President Taylor last name, but we've never had a president, to my knowledge, with Taylor as the first name. So I say, Joe Biden, if you're listening, be nice to Kamala Harris. Offer her maybe uh, the next time a, a, a seat opens on the Supreme Court that you'll nominate her and thank her for her tremendous service over the last three years as vice president and say, look, uh, this is cynical, but it's politi- politically expedient. You understand politics. You understand that we need a boost, and it's nothing against you. It's just at this point in time, Taylor Allison Swift is so hot that I cannot, I cannot possibly possibly consider running for a second term without her assistance we would probably win either either way but this will guarantee this will guarantee uh, a win by 30 or 40 million votes well this will definitely prolong him past the orange man if he can get that endorsement and get her to go with him so and then you know but you know what happens then so then that puts pressure on donald trump so who will he nominate will it be celine dion also beloved in Canada. Well, by some. we know we got to get him. We got to get him to stop <laughs> tripping over his own feet, let alone trying to nominate somebody. I so. know. <laughs> I, you know, on a personal level, again, this has nothing at all to do with politics. Just on a personal level, at times I do feel badly for the guy. Oh, me as well, Bob. Great show today. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. You too. That's the story from a Wego making contemporary news. Again, I'm not passing judgment on his political positions. That's neither here nor there. But strictly as as just a, a person. Say if he was your dad. Or um, brother or uncle. You, know, you, you would have to feel badly for what he's doing to the country so but as i have remarked in the past i i do believe i do believe that he's doing the best he can here's a a story oh cnbc trump allies ramp up attacks on taylor swift ahead of the big game is this true is this the real life or is this just fantasy this can't be true Anyway, I'll read uh, a portion of Kevin Brenniger's report on CNBC.com, and uh, I'll let you judge the truthiness of it. I maybe this should be maybe this was intended to appear on the Onion website. Taylor Swift endorsed President Biden's winning 2020 campaign, and while she hasn't backed Biden's re-election bid yet, allies of former President Donald Trump are already getting ready for it. Oh, I see. Oh, it's preemptive. (laughs) Preemptive anger. Well, isn't that the best kind? Swift, the pop music megastar, so influential. Her latest tour is having a tangible impact on the U.S. economy and overall on the American psyche is increasingly the target of criticism and conspiracy theories from Trump's allies. See, this part I didn't know. I thought I was able to keep track of conspiracy theories. I wasn't paying attention to this. This does come as a surprise. Those attacks have ramped up ahead of the big game, which Taylor Swift may attend to cheer on her friend. Um, 
who works for the Kansas City Chiefs division of the NFL. Vivek Ramaswamy, a Republican former presidential candidate who has endorsed Trump, wondered aloud on Twitter whether an artificially culturally propped up couple would endorse Biden after the big game. Ramaswamy even suggested that the big game outcome itself would be manipulated as part of an effort to boost Biden, though he added it was just some wild speculation. Thank you. Thank you for at least <laughs> at least that disclaimer might keep you out of litigation with the NFL Corporation. Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, who represents the former president in a federal civil defamation case where a jury ordered Trump to pay more than $83 million in damages, reposted a message that compares her favorably to Swift. Who thinks this country needs a lot more women like Alina Haba and a lot less like Taylor Swift? Read the social media post. <laughs> uh as a public service, I won't answer that question. IWNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning there, Bob. It's Dave from Bustle. You, you know, I, I'm glad you brought this topic up. I'm glad that guy called in because, you know, I was, you know, I was thinking because, you know, I am in the middle of a, a Rush Limbaugh, his his book, uh, The Way Things Ought to Be. And you had that caller yesterday. I think he called from Florida and he brought up Rush. But anyways, it started me making me think, Bob. He always talked about the the low information voter coming up to works when it comes to elections. Where that's how we get people in the office uh, that shouldn't be. And, and I know, and that's our it's it's your own opinion who should be and who shouldn't be. But it, <laughs> what happens, Bob? Is people wait? Are you saying that some people? In politics, are actually looking for people who are uneducated. No, I didn't say low. Or poorly know, educated. Well, that's the no, implication. No, no, no. The the low information voters suggest to me that you're looking for people who might be clueless. I love the poorly educated. No, 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 Bob. You could be in, you can be intelligent, and not pay attention to politics. You know that I'm not. Making, well, like uh, Sarah, I'm, Governor I'm not, Sarah Palin, that. she was very intelligent, but she couldn't name one newspaper she had read. But anyways, people to do that, Bob. People are are, are choosing their voting on emotion instead of on substance, and that's how we that's how we almost got Hillary. I wanted to be part of history and vote for the first woman. Substance be damned. That's how we got Obama. I want to vote for the first African American. Substance be damned. That's how people vote. Yeah, people would vote for Taylor Swift. They vote for Beyonce because we have fickled low information voters in the country. They don't have a clue. They treat it as oh, it's Battle of the Bands or Academy Awards. They, well, they I think those those know. might be the people who get much of their worldview, the information of what be happening from TMZ.com. <laughs> or well, do they still have Entertainment Tonight? The, yeah, they still is do, that Rob. still a show? They used to have yeah. a show, I know on TV, it was called Entertainment Tonight's and all it was was a bunch of, they cobbled together a bunch of fluffy, fluffy stories. It was more like a, a fluffer nutter that ran, I think, for a couple of hours every weeknight. 
And I don't know whatever happened to it, but I always, I mean, a couple of times I accidentally watched it because I was watching uh, who was anchoring the CBS Evening News back in the late 80s, Maury Povich. So Maury Povich, oh no, that was his wife, Connie Chung. She was working with her good friend Dan Rather for a few months before they split. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I would accidentally leave the TV on and then Entertainment Tonight's would come on and I would be totally totally transfixed by the stories they were presenting. I mean, it's almost... I saw why Entertainment Tonight's was so addictive, because they had this... They had this formula of high-power fluff, and it was almost irresistible. I almost got sucked in one time. I, I, I actually watched... I, I actually watched the first eight-minute segment, and then I thought... I looked at my watch. It was 7.08, and I said... Darn, I'm never getting those eight minutes of my life back. That's right, but let, let, let me add to my point real quick before I go. Um, oh, this past weekend, I was watching uh, a C-SPAN, and you know how they have they have the line Republican, Democrat, Independent. You can call in, and they were talking politics. And a guy called in from Ohio on the Independent line, and he's saying, I, I, I'm fed up with the Democrats. I'm voting the Republican, Republican next time. And the host says, well, who would you prefer, Haley or Trump? And he says, you know, I want to be part of history. I want to vote for the first woman president. See, and that's my point, Bob. Fickled, low-information voters. They treat it as it's, you know, the Academy Awards instead of understanding what they're voting for, what they stand for. And, and we have so many of them. That's how we get the wrong people in office, Bob. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I know now I'm excited. Thank you. Looking forward to November with enthusiasm. It's 943. The calls are going to keep pouring in, I suppose, till noon. Get yourself in line, 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now, WNBF. WNBF at 946. All the hits, all the time. Back to the phones we go. Larry in Kirkwood, you're on the air. I gotta admit, I like that song and her song style. That's a good, they're both good songs. It's fabulous. But the rest of them are junk. <laughs> all right, one question. Are you guys delusional? Really? She will give about as big a bump as a pimple on your face to the Democratic Socialists. That's all she'll give. Yeah, but they'd still win. They don't need a lot because they won they, they won by more than 7 million votes in 2020. I, so even if it's just a little bump, maybe they'll win by 8 million votes. Let so, me repeat this that I said a long time ago. Donald Trump won the 2022 race. Absolutely. Oh, that's absolute. I'm sorry, that's Barbara Streisand. That's Barbara Streisand, and you know it. Oh, you can go and pound sand, but, but we, 
<laughs> you know the truth. Now, I don't yeah, blame you. I don't lie. blame you for saying it on the air because if a lie is told often enough, people start to believe it. Yeah, as you guys do all the time. Well, look who's president. Look who's I'm here. Look who's president. I ain't going anywhere. Barbara oh, Streisand, oh, baby. That's Barbara oh, hey, Streisand. And, are, are you and, really, uh, do you oh, really think this guy? Yes, I do. He won, it. actually, if anything, he probably won by 10 million votes. But, you know, there was such a, there was a lot of pressure in some precincts. So maybe, maybe they undercounted some of the votes for the Democrats because they were getting a lot of pressure from Republicans who were scrutinizing the counting effort. So who's to say? Who's to say? At least, I'll say one of the things I know about Joe Biden that's different from Donald Trump is... Joe Biden is not a sore winner. Look at when uh, Donald Trump won in New Hampshire. He was angry. He was. It, it, it was almost as though he was inconsolable about his win. So uh, there's a problem. There's a problem when somebody is not only a sore loser, which you can sometimes kind of understand. I don't know where you get where he was an angry winner. I didn't hear that. I don't know. Maybe it was just uh, what I saw on C-SPAM. But here you are, spouting it off, buddy. You've got to do better than that. Uh, he didn't sound, let's put it this way, he didn't sound very happy. Well, anyway. He, he just, I don't know. He didn't. He didn't sound like he was happy about his victory. You would think that he would have been, I don't know, cheerful, joyful, full of vigor and vim. I would be happy, too, if I had a bunch of wackos indicting him for a non-existent things. Yeah, well, hope he's got enough money in his checking account. <laughs> he's going to have to write out a check for about $100 million. Or, or at some point, they're probably going to have to start stel selling off his properties. You know, that tower? Is that tower still his? I mean, come on, man. It is interesting, though. That much I concede. He he has made life so much more interesting over the last six years. This is something in my wildest nightmares. I I wouldn't wouldn't have foreseen what's transpired in America over the last six years or so. It's nine fifty. Bob Joseph. More calls are coming up. Will you be on the line? Could be six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. We're on air at ninety two point one FM, twelve ninety AM, streaming at WNBF dot com. To be W-N-B-S, I mean F, 
<laughs> WNBF. Sorry there. Sorry if you thought it was some other station. WNBF, where the news breaks first. And here's a story out of New York City. And, well, we'll talk a little bit about what happened where the, the police were being beaten. Let's see. The New York City police were beaten. Let me punch up that story. Because they put out the video on this. Even uh, NYPD put out video. Uh, five suspects have been arrested, but four are still on the loose, according to CBSNewYork.com. The story by Dick Brennan and Christina Fan. Police are searching for men who were caught on camera beating NYPD officers in Times Square. Happened Saturday night. The video was taken in front of a migrant shelter at 220 West 42nd Street. Isn't that where the Daily News used to be? Police say officers were trying to disperse a disorderly crowd. A second clip then shows police apparently trying to take someone into custody. At that point, police said the officers were attacked by some men. A lieutenant and an officer from Midtown South were kicked and pummeled. One suffered a laceration to the face. Police arrested five people, but say four others seen on the video got away. So they want the public's help to try to find them. So if you want to see the video, it's on the Internet. And uh, if you know any of the people who were beating the police in Times Square on Saturday night, you can contact NYPD. Two witnesses who spoke to CBS New York say they had no idea what triggered the assault. They say they quickly ran away because they feared for their own safety. The first four who were arrested and charged had a court appearance and were released. They have another court date in March. I wonder if they'll show up in court. Uh, the fifth arrest was made Tuesday. The union, PBA, that's Police Benevolent Association, the union president put out a statement. He said the attacks on police officers are becoming an epidemic, and the reason is what he calls revolving door justice. So it makes, to me, it makes no sense why you charge people and then just let them out. I don't understand. This is Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 40. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 30. Thursday will be mostly cloudy with a high near 41. Due to multiple narcotics arrests, code issues, and months of police activity, Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced a lockdown of 34 North Street, Binghamton. The lockdown is in effect for 12 months as ordered by the Binghamton City Court judge. The owners of the property consented to the building's lockdown at that time. 34 North Street, Binghamton, was deemed unfit for human habitation in November of 2023 and has accrued 46 lockdown points for instances late that date back to December of 2022. 
According to Binghamton Mayor Cram's office, during 2023, the Binghamton City Department of Public Works responded five times to clean up trash and garbage following citations by code enforcement. A driver who led police agencies on a high-speed pursuit in a stolen pickup truck from Endicott to the town of Maine faces several felony charges. Authorities said Samuel Pierce of Cander was arrested following the chase on Monday afternoon. According to the Broome County Sheriff's Office, Pierce was driving a Chevrolet Silverado that had been stolen from Susquehanna County. Endicott police tried to stop the truck on Monroe Street in the village, but the vehicle sped away. The chase ended when the truck got stuck in mud in a front yard of a home near Bradley Creek in Haskins Roads. Pierce was taken into custody. Deputies found a loaded 9mm handgun in the stolen vehicle. Pierce was charged with criminal possession of a weapon and criminal possession of stolen property. He was also charged with reckless endangerment and unlawfully pursuing a police officer along with 17 traffic violations. New York State Assembly member Catalina Cruz announced on Tuesday that the New York State Assembly passed a key chapter amendment to the Rape is Rape Act. The bill was signed into law yesterday by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul. This legislation redefines rape in New York's penal law. According to the New York State Assembly release, the enactment of rape is rape will be a crucial step in recognizing the bodily autonomy, dignity, and safety of all New Yorkers. The Rape is Rape Act was inspired by Lydia Cuomo, who was brutally raped on August 19th of 2011. On January 28th, New York State troopers from Wellsburg responded to a one-car fatal motor vehicle accident on County Route 60 in the town of Shemung. A preliminary investigation revealed the 2021 Chevrolet Malibu, operated by Isaiah Montgomery of Binghamton, was traveling west of the curve on County Route 60 when it exited the roadway on the north shoulder, striking a tree. Montgomery was pronounced deceased at the scene by the Shimon County Coroner. On January 25th in Broome County Court, Joseph Swartz of Binghamton pled guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree as a second felony offender. On May 4th of 2023, Swartz was found to be in possession of over one ounce of meth after a traffic stop by the Binghamton Police Department Community Response Team. Swartz admitted to possession with the intent to sell. He will be sentenced to three years in New York State prison and two years post-released supervision. On January 26, Matthew Kaletka of Binghamton pled guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree as a second felony offender. On April 19th of 2023, the Broome County Special Investigations Unit executed a search warrant at 9 Sherwood Avenue in Binghamton. Kaletka was found to be in possession of over two ounces of meth. He admitted to possession with the intent to sell and will be sentenced to three and a half years in New York State Prison and two years post-release supervision. The National Rifle Association's outgoing CEO acknowledged that uh, at a trivial civil trial in New York City that he wrongly expensed gifts, travel, and other benefits to his organization. Wayne LaPierre testified for a second day Monday before the jury in Manhattan, which will decide if he violated the rules governing charities and nonprofits and should face financial penalties. 
New York State Attorney General's Office sued LaPierre and three co-defendants in 2020 over what it said was widespread misspending and alleged self-enrichment. Items they claim he obtained against the interest of the NRA range include expensing more than $500,000 in private flights. LaPierre said ahead of the trial that he would be resigning as head of the NRA effective today. On January 24th in Broome County Court, Jarrell Thompson of Binghamton pled guilty to attempted criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a Class D violent felony. On December 23rd of 2023, Thompson was found to be in possession of a loaded 9mm handgun after a traffic stop conducted by the New York State Police. Thompson will be sentenced to five years in New York State prison and five years post-release supervision. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on this Wednesday morning. We'll be taking more calls in just a few minutes. I'll let you know when to call in so you can talk about some local issues or state matters or even national issues and politics. It's coming up later this hour on Binghamton Now. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the program the noted organist, Dennis James. Good morning, Dennis. Yes, good morning. Good to talk to you again. Well, thank you for uh, taking a few minutes out of your morning. Uh, coming up this Sunday afternoon here in downtown Binghamton, the Binghamton Theater Organ Society will have a special event at the Forum Theater, and you are going to be a key part of that. Uh, you're an organist who many people have uh, enjoyed over the years here in Binghamton and elsewhere, and uh, there will be a presentation of a Western epic that's 100 years old, The Iron Horse. And that's right. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what people can expect. First of all, uh, something that is... Uh, uh, entertainment going back a century ago from 1924 and that it's going to be presented here at the Forum Theater uh, in downtown Binghamton a century later. I, I think I think that alone is fascinating, but the fact that uh, there will be an original music score and you'll be uh, providing the, the music, I think that's going to make for a great afternoon. Um, yes, well, my profession is uh, actually time travel. Um, I've been doing this for 55 years all over the world. And uh, early in my career, I made my first recording and issued a long playing record in 1978 uh, when we uh, opened the Forum Theater, Mighty uh, Morton Theater Pipe Organ. So I've made a career out of this, and I say time travel because for people, anybody who was there at the opening, now it's 100 years ago, 
So they would be pretty old, but I have been doing this for 55 years, and I've many times met people who were at the openings of these movies when movies had live music. They hadn't yet invented sound on film, and so anything that was heard when you went through the movies was actually produced by live uh, performers, musicians, sound effects specialists, all the rest. And they were presented, movies were presented in big theaters, that were built especially for the screening of the movies. And they were set up with an orchestra pit where the full orchestra would play. And they had these big pipe organs, which is what we have at the Forum Theater today. And, uh, and, and it was a real, the idea was the grandest spectacle on the order of a theater. Uh, the movies were shown in two parts with an inter- full intermission. They had an overture. They had stage prologues with things happening before they showed the movie. I mean, it was really grand. And so that's what we're doing this Sunday afternoon, as far as possible in modern day. And it is very possible because we've got um, visually the original print of the film uh, will be screened so that when you're sitting in the audience and if you saw it 100 years ago, the image that you're seeing is just like it was. Uh, it, it's, it is what was in 1924. And then I went to great lengths back in 1992. I uh, appeared with the San Diego Symphony because I had uncovered the original score, the actual music that was written for this movie by Erno Rappe. Uh, he was born in Budapest, Hungary, and he was um, uh, an emergent uh, specialist in writing and conducting silent film music. And so I turned up this score restored it, added all the synchronization cues that were done by people in the profession at the time. They were highly trained. Up at the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York, that place was founded to teach the accompaniment of silent films. And the teachers of each of the departments would play in the evenings at the Eastman Theater on the where the campus was located. And uh, so the whole, the whole episode of um, uh, music in, in up here in uh, New York was based on the idea of the profession of silent film music. So I have this original score, and I spent a good year uh, transcribing it, me- making it possible to play every note that was written for the orchestra. I play solo on the organ, and that's what I'll be doing on Sunday at 2 o'clock at the Forum, is I actually play the music that was written for this movie, written for full orchestra, and I've transcribed it to be able to play with two hands and two feet, and uh, and accompany the movie, something that was done in the movie theaters during the daytime and the late evening showings. It was only the main showing in the evening that the orchestra would play, and the organists were the workhorse people of the industry and in that they played solo for all of the uh, performances at the rest of the day. And there were sometimes up to eight performances of a film in a single day every day. So uh, we're going to show the movie. We're going to have the live music played by me, and I'm uh, very sensitive to history, and so I'll be performing with all of the attributes of the style of the music that was uh, pretty much lost in the 100 years since it was written, but I've done all the research, studied with the original musicians and the like, and uh, we're doing it in a big theater, the Forum Theater. It's uh, equipped exactly the way the great movie palaces were back in the 1920s. So when the lights go down, the music starts, the movie hits the screen, you're doing time travel because it is is the closest thing in modern show business that is an exact time travel window that you enter when you go to a movie like this showing. 
speaking with the organist Dennis James here on WNBF at 10.15 on a Wednesday morning. So what's it like for you as you return to the Forum Theater in downtown Binghamton after all these years and, and decades uh, since the dedication concert back in 1978? You've been there, I uh, would say, countless times. Maybe you know the count, but you you have performed here in downtown Binghamton at the Forum so many times. It must uh, be a special feeling as you uh, return and, and prepare for this Sunday afternoon's performance. Well, it's sort of time travel in my own career because I was just emerging as a touring professional musician in 1978. I was 28 years old, and now I'm 73 years old. And so it becomes a kind of a capping stone. Uh, it's very much like the feeling of going to your hometown, where all the promise uh, when you were growing up in the town, going to school, starting your career, uh, all that promise is realized when you return to the to the hometown, and and you get to now celebrate. They've appointed me the uh, official forum theater theater organist for silent film work, um, and so that I get to come over several times a year to to do this. I live over by Corning, uh, New York, and the reason I live in Corning, or even hey, the reason I came here to the Southern Tier, for it's not my retirement. I'm as active as I've always been, but uh, I'm now located here. Because I have a whole parallel career in music in which I play historical music instruments made of glass, invented by Benjamin Franklin in 1761, spinning bowls of glass, and I play music of Mozart and Beethoven, C.P. Bach and the like. And I tour the world now based uh, just outside of Corning, New York, where I'm associated with the uh, Museum of Glass here. And uh, so I maintain these two very active careers in music, silent film music accompaniment, and then also the music with the glass music. So it's a very fertile territory of specialist interest, and I found that it's a really good home base for me now. Well, sounds as though you've got a fascinating life. I don't think I was aware of, of that other aspect. I, I think in our, our conversations, I've almost always focused exclusively on your performance as uh, an organist i didn't i don't think i realized that uh, there is much more to what you do oh very much so i think the root of it having been such a specialist on a forgotten music instrument the theater organ when i began playing in the 1960s there were just a very few enthusiasts around the world that were just forming together to help to try to preserve the organs and uh, this local uh, binghamton theater organ society is the offshoot of that national movement that was nascent back in the time when I began as an organist. But I did find as I went to college and started learning about the history of music that it's an eternal uh, process of instruments coming into great use, world use at the times, and then forgotten, slipping away as they're replaced with other new instruments or replaced with something that makes an improvement. And so my first excursion into all that was with the glass music, and uh, to show you the extent that I have a crossover in my career, um, I just came back. I was uh, a week ago. I was in New York City in a recording studio, working with the composer who wrote the music for the new film about to be released uh, by Francis Ford Coppola, a science fiction epic called Megalopolis. And uh, they did. They he spent thirty years uh, making this movie, and 
Francis was in the uh, in the studio with us while we were uh, recording the score, and uh, they wanted glass music. So I brought two of my instruments, the glass harmonica and the Cristal Bache, down to New York and uh, contributed sounds that um, haven't been heard uh, until my revival that began in the uh, 1980s is when I took up my interest in glass music. And it has been a, a parallel major career. I now am world-ranked for eight of the instruments that I play, and I'm able to play over 150 instruments, um, and my collection numbers 300 instruments in my home over here outside of Corning. So I'm very, very active in uh, what many people call obscure music, obscure instruments, and I'm an obscure <laughs> instrumentalist. But by playing all of these and digging into their history and, and reviving them authentically the way they were hailed when they were at the top of their profession sequence, uh, I've been able to make a career that's still going. And you know, people appreciate what you do. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm glad that you're going to be back in Binghamton this Sunday at 2 o'clock at the Forum Theater here downtown and tickets will be available at the door people can order tickets online at binghamtontos.org this is a presentation of the binghamton theater organ society the western epic the iron horse the iron horse uh, from 1924 with the original music score and dennis james will be back to entertain the people of uh, the binghamton area and i see from the um, schedule looking ahead to later in 2024 you're planning to uh be back at the forum for uh, the gold rush from charlie chaplin yes it's uh history is what we're looking at this year uh this iron horse is all about the building of the transcontinental railroad back in the 1860s it was an idea of uh, president abraham lincoln in 1862 that we needed a a uh, railroad to tie the, the both coasts together and help with the expansion, the westward expansion of the uh, populace. And so they began in 1862, and they finally ended in uh, 1869 uh, with the driving of the Golden Spike. And it's when the westward railroad team met the east east coast uh, people that built the railroad all the way out to Promontory Point in Utah. And that significant occasion, which is um, remembered in the history of America very fondly, um, is actually portrayed in this movie where they bring the two locomotives together and then they have a grand picture taken with hundreds of people um, where the actual meeting of the railroads happened. You know, I love the way they they published, they, they promoted these movies back then. This is from the opening program, and this will tell you what it's like to come to hear the Iron Horse. The story recalls the thrills of terror which surged into the hearts of civilization's advanced guard when the war whoops of the Sioux and the Cheyennes shrilled in their ears. It presents the laughing-eyed daredevilry of men and women alike when the rifle barrels became too hot for human touch, the hardships they endured on the open prairie and the bitterness of the winter and beneath the copper sun and the brazen desert summers are faithfully portrayed by a cast which experienced almost the same suffering. And to make this movie, beside the 30 actors that were listed in the cast, there was an entire regiment of U.S. troops 
and a regiment uh, has two battalions, which means there were at least 1,200 troops uh, from the U.S. government, 3,000 railway local, uh, workmen, 1,000 Chinese laborers, 800 Pawnee, Sioux, and Cheyenne Indians, 2,800 horses, 1,300 buffalo, and 10,000 Texas steers all appear in this movie. It's if nothing else, you've got to come down and just see that amount being captured faithfully by Hollywood's cameras to tell the story of the Transcontinental Railroad. Wow. You see, yeah. I, in here I thought it was something they slapped together in a, a few minutes. No, looking at, at uh, more of the background online and what John Ford did, uh, a century ago, and it says it was a major milestone in his career, and it said his lifelong connection to the Western film genre, and of course, best of all, it was passed by the National Board of Review, which back in the 1920s, your your films had to go through the National Board of Review. That's back when sure. America was, um, we'll say, just a little different in the early 20th century. Yeah, and this is the one of the great portrayals. You know, this thing was triggered because Paramount Pictures made a movie called, uh, oh, what was the name of that? It was the uh, Western Western movie uh, of, 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 of all about the covered, actually it's called The Covered Wagon, big westward expansion movie. And so Fox Theater, Williams Fox, the head of his studio, uh, which became 20th Century Fox, but anyway, the Fox studio decided to make this one uh, to tell a similar story. It's the, uh, you know, the westward expansion. But they decided to outdo it. And so they hired John Ford. He'd already made 50 western movies. And the western genre was sort of slipping because they'd done so many of them. But when this movie came out, everybody wanted to see western movies again. So it gave a whole new energy to the idea of the west. And and thinking about history, that's what we're going to do in December. It's uh, between the holidays in, uh, in Christmas time, between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to be showing Charlie Chaplin's movie that he made. It's a sort of, it's a comedy, but it's very much set within genuine, genuine part of history. And that is the gold rush period, uh, up in the Chilkoot Pass up in uh, Alaska. And he very faithfully recreated for the cameras. He recreated the trudging of the, uh, uh, of the pioneer, uh, uh, prospectors who were heading to try to make their fortunes by digging up gold. The word, the, you know, the word had spread throughout the country, if not the world, that they discovered gold up in Alaska. And so people flooded and both to California and then right on up to, uh, Alaska to, uh, to mine and, and great fortunes were made and many lives were lost and, and Charlie set about making what people say is his greatest motion picture. It was his most fond uh, feature movie that he made throughout his career. And it's titled The Gold Rush. And it sets the, the tramp, the famous tramp uh, in the tramp costume. He becomes a prospector. And it's just wonderful. And, and it does have a New Year's scene with the singing of Auld Lang Syne, which is why we've scheduled it to come at the end of the year. Very wistful. And, of course, it'll be snowy around here. And the movie is is laden with snow and blizzards and all the rest. So we got two chances to step back in history, the 1860s with the railroad. And then you know, when would that be? About the 1880s, I guess it would be 1880s, maybe 1890s for the uh, Alaska gold rush. So, um, yeah, it's our it's our mission 
to preserve the past and present it to the present uh, downtown Binghamton at the Forum Theater. Dennis James. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Glad we had a chance to chat this morning. And I know many of our listeners will be looking forward to this Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Forum Theater here in downtown Binghamton. Uh, the original score to 1924's uh, Western epic, The Iron Horse. Dennis James, what a what a special treat. I uh, thank uh, you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, okay. Well, I hope to see you there. Okay. Have a great rest of the week. All righty. Thank you. 1028 at News Radio WNBF. So you say you have nothing to do this weekend? Well, now you have something to do, at least on Sunday. As far as what you do on Saturday, eh, I'll leave it to your own devices. You'll figure something out. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF Binghamton. Good morning, I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now, 607-772-1290. What is on your mind? Let us know. All you have to do is call. It's simple, 607-772-1290. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's Gary from the West Side. I'd like to talk about a court case in California, but I want to mention something first about our mild winter. I have, believe it or not, a plant that still has a flower on it, quote unquote flower in air quotes. It's called flowering cabbage are you familiar with that have you ever seen it kind of looks like cauliflower a little mm, bit i probably have seen it can't it's say exactly where plant. yeah i think i've mm-hmm. seen it yeah yeah and it's still flowering which is amazing here it is almost hmm. february well that's pretty cool that's great and don't forget pretty, pretty friday wild. our special groundhog day program so everybody i never going it I everybody will dress as groundhogs Absolutely. So I want to talk about this court case, Bob, about this woman who stabbed her boyfriend 108 times and does not get prison time for it. Have you heard about this case? No, I just punched it up now. I see. I I just see. uh, She is uh, getting probation. She, according to this, from two years probation. Right. NBC News. 100 hours. Of yeah. community 
service, for killing, for stabbing her boyfriend 108 times, for killing her pet dog also. And she stabbed herself, I guess, as the police were coming. She had to make it look good. But she's claiming now the reason she got off was because she smoked marijuana with a high THC content over 30 Wait, so if I go to California... Yeah. And smoke weed that has high a high level of THC, and then I stab uh -huh. someone 108 times. The there's death. a chance I'll yeah yeah fatally stab, as they fatally. say in the story, uh, 108 sharp force injuries. I guess that means stabbing repeatedly more than 100 times. So conceivably, conceivably, I could use that as a successful defense and get sort of a slap on the wrist. Isn't that amazing? It just boggles my mind it does. where the world is coming from. If, so let's just say it's a psychotic event. That doesn't give you a free pass on murdering someone. You still have to pay the penalty of murdering that person, even in a psychotic event. I mean, I don't know. I don't see how that's wrong. Uh, in California, according, it is. According to NBC News, it happened in May 2018. She and her boyfriend had smoked marijuana together. This story says experts for both the defense and the prosecution concluded the pot she smoked caused her to slip into a psychotic state. So the prosecutor agrees with the defense. What is wrong with people? I don't know, Bob. What, if, what do you know. think Chad's family, the man who was killed, his name is Chad, and he was 26 years old, what do you think Chad's family and friends think about this? They, well, I did read about that, and they said that the judge has let them down, that the judge, you know, could have stepped in and, and didn't, and it's, yeah, I mean, that, that's a horrible thing, right? There's no justice there. So what There's happens? No what happens if she does it again? I mean, yeah. I, I'm looking through the story to see if during her sentencing, if she promised not to do it again. I see nothing where it said, I'm not going to be, because, and again, I don't want, it's presumptuous to think that Bryn, that's her name, that Bryn uh -huh. will, will go out and smoke marijuana with her next boyfriend. Think about this. Think about this. If for, as they say, low information people, people who don't follow the news, so... You know, you're just some guy in California, in Ventura County, and you say, oh, your name is Bryn. Hey, let's... Um, let's go out and smoke hey, marijuana. Yeah. I mean, I could see it happening because stuff like that happens. And, and most people would say, well, it's pretty innocuous. You know, Bob, you see someone named Bryn and you say, well, I'm not going to be working. Pretty. I see pretty. her picture. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. Young but and pretty. She's um, 33. And uh, and then, you know, stupidly, stupidly, on a Saturday night, you smoke marijuana with Bryn, and it turns out that it had a lot of THC. And before you know it, she's making, repeatedly making a point. It's like, Bryn, Bryn, you don't even know me. It's like, I, I can't help it. This Weed has too much THC. I can't. I can't control my impulse to deliver these sharp force injuries to you. I need to make at least 108 points 
because of the THC content in the weed. I I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, if I smoke weed with her, I wouldn't suggest, hey, honey, why don't you go cut up some onions in the kitchen so we can have oh. uh, dinner tonight? But what you know, if, That would be horrible. Now, here's what, the thing. Here's, here's a question. Here's one right. question that I don't think was answered in any of the articles that I just scanned through. What was her previous uh, background? That's what I was going to okay, ask. Has she, Does, has has she, she, has she killed before? before? <laughs> I doubt that, but well, I hope not. Knows. It doesn't say. No, it's right, and they don't even put right. that in there. I would like to know more about her background. You know what? It, I hate to say this, Gary, but you know what? It, it sounds like sounds like a a movie is coming. B, she's going to write a book. C, at least Dick Wolf is going to do a Law and Order episode because this this writes itself. Oh, it's it definitely might, a Dateline. Date well, line. Dateline you know, NBC, 60 Minutes, 48 Hours, Binghamton Now. <laughs> well, I, I am intrigued. No, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm horrified by what I've read, and I haven't read the whole story. Um, oh, there is a correction down here at the bottom that they just added a couple days ago. Previous version of this story mischaracterized how prosecution experts described the marijuana. They did not say it was high-potency marijuana so i i don't know I'm trying to see what it just well, part of the defense was that the boyfriend did not say to the girlfriend hey this is high potency oh. you, should, you should you should uh be aware that this is very high potency i know you're only used to smoking 24 percent marijuana now it's going to be 31 percent you know, so I, I, so essentially they're blaming the Assessing some of the blame on the victim who is no longer able to defend himself. Yeah, sadly, you're correct. Jeez. Oh, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read up more on it. Uh, it's it's one of those stories that just leaves me shaking my head. Thank Very you. Sad, you know. Okay. Sounds like you know that that's the sad thing. It's Dateline, California, and yet, you know how things weird things happen around here. What if something like that happened around here? Would would somebody be able to use successfully use that defense that the weed that they were smoking was stronger than they normally smoked and so they stab their friend to death and they wind up getting probation? It's 1040. I don't know. I, hey, the United States legal system is the best in the world, of course. You won't find me criticizing it, but I will ask a few questions about it. It's strange. 607-772-1290. We're here for you every weekday morning. Binghamton now. WNBF Live. Back 
back to the phones we go. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. This is Sylvette from Binghamton. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your first name. Sylvette. Hi. What do you? Hi, what's on your mind? Well, um, always talking about politics and stuff. I, um, you know, of course, uh, if I, I'm registered Democrat, uh, I'd be in New York State, but my New York ID is almost done. But I, um, I would probably vote for Trump if I can legally. If not, well, I don't know. When DeSantis dropped out, I, I really don't know. Uh, I don't really care to vote for anybody else. Um, they just don't seem to have the ability, intelligence, get around, know-how, or anything to handle the presidency. But um, I, uh, I'm calling because of the. <clears throat> I was uh, working with someone, maybe about a science organization, or mixed with some astrology and maybe some kind of religion. I feel bad about this Satan Club too that's going around. It's in Tennessee and. Um, and they're trying to family store trying to get rid of it out of the schools and the schools can't seem to do anything about it because the prayers out of the schools and things like that. And I think the kids should be um educated at home until high school if that gets worse. Um <laughs> anyways, um yeah, they said it had to do hooked up with poor leftist attitude or something, freedom of the soul and stuff like that. I think there's enough freedom of the soul with all these um, things going on today now as it is. Um, well, how many Satan clubs do we have now in Broome County? Because I, I don't know. I know they said when they uh, had the, uh, the the big uh, announcement at Maine Endwell, I think it was over at Homer Brink School, they said that uh, they were going to have it. and But I... It just seemed to kind of fizzle out. You don't hear about it much anymore. So my question is, what are they up to? If they thought they were going to make a big splash, apparently it didn't work. Uh, I, w I would have thought, if, especially with all the media attention, I would have thought there would be after-school Satan clubs now in every school district in Broome and Tioga counties. And apparently it hasn't happened. Well, it is in Tennessee, I know, and, and, and they don't like it there. They, they wanted out the families wanted out of the school. Well, they said that in Endwell too, but you can't you can't do anything about it. I mean, it's the schools. Remember how Maine Endwell schools had to deal with it. If if they wouldn't let the after school Satan Club in, they'd have to kick out everybody else who was doing events yeah. after school. So you, you have to be fair. You have to be fair. You don't have to agree with it, and certainly you don't have to send your kid there. I mean, what, you know, but I'm not being judgmental. You know, I have yet, and this is the truth, I have yet to talk with a single parent from Maine Edwell who sent, sent her kid over to the after school Satan club. So I'm guessing they didn't, they didn't get many kids at all. Hmm. Well, that's good to know about because I, I think that that's a great uh, thing if, if it uh, does fizzle out that way. I certainly hope it does. Um, and, and also, I wanted to say that um, um, this um, longevity scientist, uh, David Sinclair, has now got, it shows up on my cell phone, has now got a cocktail out that has molecules in it, and it's supposed to increase people's lifespan about 10 years. And um, Sounds like a hoax. That sounds I like some know. sort of twisted hoax. It's not a twisted hoax. It's out there. But the well, I'm sure it's out there. I mean, but people can say anything. 
Right. I heard Joe Stanley on this morning on the on the radio with Don Morgan, and he said they had some kind of gas station heroin now that you can buy that they're selling oh down at the no, at I the gas station. Right, so. And I, I didn't have time because it was almost eight forty five. So this afternoon, I'm going to go around some gas stations here and see if I can get any of that before. Apparently, he, I if I understand him correctly. Uh, they were going to take it off the shelves, so I'm going to go check. I'm going to do a spot check at some gas stations around here to see if they have any of that. Um, I guess that's not the official name. That's not the brand name, but that's what uh, the kids call it on the street, yeah, gas station cool. heroin. I know. Yeah. People think that's cool. But, but he said it's deadly. Yeah, it can be, sure. The fentanyl's even involved in the war with Iran and all that. I think that's terrible, too. I thought Biden should send troops over, and with the Allies, if possible, troops over to Israel as soon as that started, you know, that mess from the militia. And now it's gone into with Iran, and uh, I mean, and they were involved anyways. I, I don't understand why he let such smart people and longtime friends of the United States, um, you know, not have military aid when he sent them to the Ukraine. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not Jewish, but I was born in a Jewish Hasidic town in New Jersey in Lakewood. And uh, I've always liked the brotherhood of that religion. And um, I do think they're very smart people and very talented people, and they really care. And I just don't agree with uh, the stuff he does with any of these wars. Well, I don't don't understand a lot lot of the violence that seems to be uh, directly or indirectly tied to religion. (laughs) Anyway, I appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh, So we'll keep an eye out. Uh, If you have any updates, if you have updates on the after-school Satan Club uh, over at Homer Brink, I'm looking. See, this is the weird thing. The first story I did on this was... Nearly a year ago, the date that I published my first story on the After School Satan Club was February 17th, 2023. But what's going on now? How come we don't hear anything more? I think they should do updates. Maine Endwell Superintendent Jason Van Fossen said the school district had been notified the previous November the group was seeking to use facilities at the famous Homer Brink School. I say famous because one of its young students turned out to be a talk show host on the radio. Mr. Van Fossen said despite the stated organizational principles, anyone that uses the word satanic in their name is obviously going to provoke people in a very negative way. He noted the Maine Endwell District previously had approved a request for another non-school organization, the Good News Club, by the way, not sponsored by WNBF, but if the name wasn't already taken, I would have used that (laughs) WNBF branding. Instead of where news breaks first, we could use the Good News Club, but somebody else beat us to it. So the Good News Club was already approved to use the school. Van Fossen said the Supreme Court ruled that all outside groups must be afforded equal access to school district facilities. He said, unfortunately, unfortunately, we have to deal with the backlash to the information that was sent out promoting the after-school Satan Club. And I see, oh, let me just, uh, just for kicks, since I posted the interview with Jason Van Fossen, let me just see 
if uh, I'm just going to punch this up, see if it's still as fresh as it was when it was uh, on the air live last February. Hold on. Process to determine whether or not we should uh, allow this organization to use our facilities. And at the end of the day, um, the decision was that if you're going to exclude one, you have to exclude all. All right. Yeah. It's still on the internet. Al Gore didn't scrub it yet from the internet. So anyway, if anybody knows about the after-school Satan clubs, if they're still holding the meetings or might my impression my impression I think they were just trying to get a rise out of people I don't think I don't think there was any expectation that they were going to open up and end well and then expand to Union Endicott and Johnson City and Vestal and Binghamton and Windsor and Whitney Point and Newark Valley and Owego Appalachian Shenango Valley, Shenango Forks. Not even SV. I'm serious. Not even, they wouldn't even go to Conklin. It's interesting they started in Endwell. At Homer Brink, of all places, where I got my start. That's, <laughs> I tell you, that's where I got my interest in the news, thanks to Mrs. Blackwell, my kindergarten teacher. If you want to know why I got into the news business, probably because she brought in the Sun Bulletin every every morning. And I would ask her, Mrs. Blackwell, can I take the paper home and entertain my mom reading the stories, the local news and the Sun Bulletin? And she said, yes, Bobby, you may. Sten 53, this is Bobby on the radio <laughs> WNBF. Seriously, folks. Hi, folks. It's 10.54 on a Wednesday morning with Bob Joseph on WNBF. I'll be here till noon with Binghamton Now. The information and even some of the entertainment you need every weekday morning. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and always available on the free WNBF app. That's lovely. All right, back to the uh, bag of emails. Big bag. Big bag of emails. Um, huh. All right. Attention, Vince McMahon fans. WWE Super Show. Summer Tour will be coming to Binghamton June 2nd. Well, how timely. WWE Super Show. The summer tour is coming to Binghamton. Three weeks before summer starts. So that'll be June 2nd. So if you are a fan of WWE, you have something to look forward to in four months. By the way, Vince McMahon uh, is no longer in the WWE building. He's gone now. 
Hi, WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Bob, this is so very again. I got a friend here, Sherry. Here, she's good with voice and yeah. and um, she um. Yeah, put her on the horn. Sherry, he wants to talk to you. Come here. Put her on the line. Yeah, she's coming. All right. Uh, she has a thing about lotto tickets, and she wins. All right. And it could be because she has uh, the Jupiter planet a lot. Come here. Here, I'll put her on. Yeah, you're on. Hi. Morning. Hello. Hi, you're on the air on WNBF Radio Live. My name's Bob. What's your name? Sherry. All right. So tell us tell us what you need to tell us. What, what? No, it's all right. I'll pass. Okay. Is everything Okay. Yeah. All right. We just wanted to make sure everything is copacetic. You're you're doing okay. Uh huh. All right. All right. Well, Thank I. You. Hey, thanks. Bye bye. Bye. It's ten fifty seven at WNBF. If I'm not back after the news, it's because I I'm going down a couple of blocks to go grab a. Uh, 24-ounce coffee. So I don't usually get 24-ounce coffees, but I think during the upcoming news break, I'm going to walk a couple blocks down to the coffee shack and get myself a 24-ounce coffee. And uh, so if I'm not back after the news, um, don't worry. I mean, I, I'm, I will come back, but say if suddenly I'm not on right after the news, it means I'm just coming back with my no, I'm getting a 32-ounce coffee. But, and then we'll continue right here on WNBF. This is a sp- this is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 40. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 30. Thursday will be mostly cloudy with a high near 41. Due to multiple narcotics arrests, code issues, and months of police activity, Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced a lockdown of 34th North Street, Binghamton. The lockdown is in effect for 12 months as ordered by the Binghamton City Court Judge. The owners of the property consented to the building's lockdown at that time. 34 North Street, Binghamton was deemed unfit for human habitation in November of 2023 and has accrued 46 lockdown points for instances late that date back to December of 2022. According to Binghamton Mayor Cram's office, during 2023, the Binghamton City Department of Public Works responded five times to clean up trash and garbage following citations by code enforcement. A driver who led police agencies on a high-speed pursuit in a stolen pickup truck from Endicott to the town of Maine faces several felony charges. Authorities said Samuel Pierce of Cander was arrested following the chase on Monday afternoon. According to the Broome County Sheriff's Office, Pierce was driving a Chevrolet Silverado that had been stolen from Susquehanna County. Endicott police tried to stop the truck on Monroe Street in the village, but the vehicle sped away. The chase ended when the truck got stuck in mud in a front yard of a home near Bradley Creek and Haskins Roads. Pierce was taken into custody. Deputies found a loaded 9mm handgun in the stolen vehicle. 
Pierce was charged with criminal possession of a weapon and criminal possession of stolen property. He was also charged with reckless endangerment and unlawfully pursuing a police officer along with 17 traffic violations. New York State Assembly member Catalina Cruz announced on Tuesday that the New York State Assembly passed a key chapter amendment to the Rapist Rape Act. The bill was signed into law yesterday by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul. This legislation redefines rape in New York's penal law. According to the New York State Assembly release, the enactment of rape is rape will be a crucial step in recognizing the bodily autonomy, dignity, and safety of all New Yorkers. The Rape is Rape Act was inspired by Lydia Cuomo, who was brutally raped on August 19th of 2011. On January 28th, New York State troopers from Wellsburg responded to a one-car fatal motor vehicle accident on County Route 60 in the town of Shemung. A preliminary investigation revealed the 2021 Chevrolet Malibu, operated by Isaiah Montgomery of Binghamton, was traveling west of the curve on County Route 60 when it exited the roadway on the north shoulder, striking a tree. Montgomery was pronounced deceased at the scene by the Chemung County Coroner. On January 25th in Broome County Court, Joseph Swartz of Binghamton pled guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree as a second felony offender. On May 4th of 2023, Swartz was found to be in possession of over one ounce of meth after a traffic stop by the Binghamton Police Department Community Response Team. Swartz admitted to possession with the intent to sell. He will be sentenced to three years in New York State prison and two years post-release supervision. On January 26, Matthew Kaletka of Binghamton pled guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree as a second felony offender. On April 19th of 2023, the Broome County Special Investigations Unit executed a search warrant at 9 Sherwood Avenue in Binghamton. Kaletka was found to be in possession of over two ounces of meth, he admitted to possession with the intent to sell and will be sentenced to three and a half years in New York State Prison and two years post-release supervision. The National Rifle Association's outgoing CEO acknowledged that uh, at a triple civil trial in New York City that he wrongly expensed gifts, travel and other benefits to his organization. Wayne LaPierre testified for a second day Monday before the jury in Manhattan, which will decide if he violated the rules governing charities and nonprofits and should face financial penalties. New York State Attorney General's Office sued LaPierre and three co-defendants in 2020 over what it said was widespread misspending and alleged self-enrichment. Items they claim he obtained against the interest of the NRA range include expensing more than $500,000 in private flights. LaPierre said ahead of the trial that he would be resigning as head of the NRA effective today. On January 24th in Broome County Court, Jarrell Thompson of Binghamton pled guilty to attempted criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a Class D violent felony. On December 23rd of 2023, Thompson was found to be in possession of a loaded 9mm handgun after a traffic stop conducted by the New York State Police. Thompson will be sentenced to five years in New York State prison and five years post-release supervision. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports and features, open up the WNBF app.
app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Wednesday morning, live on WNBF. Binghamton now, continuing till noon. We'll take more phone calls. 607-772-1290. If you want to talk about local issues, state issues, national issues, or even global concerns, call us now. 607-772-1290 to talk live on WNBF. Back to the phones we go. Vestal Town Councilman Stephen Donnelly joins us. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Great. What's up? Nah, not bad. How are you, sir? Well, everything is good. In fact, it's great. We uh, are getting into February relatively unscathed by bad weather. So hopefully hey, hopefully we can get to spring with, with little snow and no cold snaps. With global warming, upstate New York's a new place to be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is it, man. This is probably, it's not the perfect weather, but it might be the, the best weather of, of any other place in the USA today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you letting me on, Bob. I wanted to call in. I've had uh, several residents, not several, a lot of residents that have called me uh, and uh, have been asking me about uh, the situation that's going on in Vestal, I'm sure you probably have heard about that with the supervisor uh, and the traffic stop. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of that or not, but, um, you know, the, 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 there was a traffic stop that was performed by the supervisor uh, in Vestal. Um, she is not a police officer. She was a police officer, but she's not a police officer any longer. Um, and it's just caused a lot of uproar and a lot of liability on the town. So I know a lot of residents are kind of calling in and, and, um, you know, calling me and contacting others within the town. And, um, I figured I would go on, you know, in case any other listeners or what have you, uh, were, weren't aware or were of the situation and wanted some answers. I wanted to make sure that I was able to, um, you know, talk about anything that, uh, that needs to be talked about on that end. So for people not familiar with the story, tell us essentially what happened and, and when did this actually occur? Yeah, so um, this is going back uh, roughly about two weeks ago. It was um, actually the day of our last board meeting in January. And uh, during the board meeting, we discovered, um, actually to our surprise, um, she was in a, in a kind of a heated exchange with one of the officers regarding the SRO program that uh, that they wanted to cut. Um, from the old administration. And um, during that exchange with the officers, um, or with the officer, excuse me, um, she had said, well, actually, you know, he talked about her being a desk cop or assignment cop, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that obviously was not very, uh, it was a little upsetting to her, which I understand, uh, and insulting. So at that point, she informed him that uh, she was a patrol officer for her career and said, in fact, I just made a traffic stop today. And, um, you know, all of us kind of looked at each other and we're like, wait, what? <laughs> so um, it, it's kind of an odd thing. She she yeah, had said that a couple of times. She said that she was within her powers as incident commander. 
However, um, you know, I did confirm with our emergency uh, response director and several other folks within the town and outside the town, uh, and what she did was an illegal detention um, because there was a person that was going the wrong way on the parkway. And while, um, yes, you can put your lights on, you know, that, you know, she has a town car, a county issued car, which does have lights uh, on it. So she can, um, in those particular incidents, um, be administrative um, in, in a command situation, but not actually putting out the fire, so to speak. You know what I mean? So unfortunately, it's put kind of a black eye on the town here. And uh, a lot of the folks that um, you know are here and residents are, are kind of shaking their heads, not really sure what to do. And, and uh, I know a lot of stuff is being kind of currently investigated and what have you. But uh, I know a lot of the public was concerned, but I want to reassure them that, you know, all the folks within the town are, are uh, really working hard to ensure that, um, you know, we, we keep everything copacetic and that everybody is, um, you know, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent or held accountable. So who is doing the investigation? Um, it's the state police, uh, from what I understand. Uh, it was originally with the D- district attorney's office as well as the Broome County Sheriff. Uh, then it went to the state police. I know it is an active investigation, so I, I don't believe I'm allowed to say anything further on that. But I know it is currently being investigated by the New York State Police. So who made the formal complaint? You? Um, I didn't make the formal complaint. Um, I, I know that there were several folks that, you know, came to me with a lot of concern um, and that said, you know, how is it how, you know, she talks about the town being broke, but. If that person that she illegally detained came and sued the town, they could sue the town for a good amount of money. So, you know, realistically, because of the fact that it puts a liability on the town. So, you know, realistically, um, you know, from our perspective, you know, I think any resident uh, saw that and was quite concerned, especially given the state of affairs that she says the town is in, uh, which is also incorrect. But that's another story. <laughs> so who do who did you go to first when after she mentioned this incident at the town board meeting, who who did you go to first to to get it investigated? Um, so any any time um, you know uh, there's a situation like this, obviously I'll always talk to an attorney, uh, mainly because you know obviously we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing and that we're doing the, thing, the right thing for the public. We are elected by the people, so we have a duty and obligation to represent them effectively. Um, so that was the first group of uh, people I turned to was um, within the legal realm. Uh, and then um, uh, I had heard that a couple of residents had filed with law enforcement. Um, so at that point, I, I, uh, I understand that that had kind of gone through a different couple, couple of different pathways. And that's kind of where it's at now. Have you spoken with the district attorney, Paul Batiste, about this? I have not. No. Do you know if he did his office at least initially? Did he look into it initially when when people brought it to his attention? Um, yes, I, I do believe that they did look into it. And I think just because, and I'm not really sure why, I don't know how all those logistics work with um, jurisdiction and what have you, but I think because of the nature of it and, and um, Supervisor Sexton being an elected official, I think they decided to defer it to the state agency, obviously being the New York State Police. Have you talked with the Vestal Police Chief Stace Kittner about this? Um, I have. I have at length. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't, I can't speak for Stace at all. Um, <clears throat> and I can't, um, you know, I, I wouldn't offer a, a statement for him on that. Um, so, I mean, if you want to try to get in contact with him, you're more than welcome. But uh, I, I can't speak for anybody else. All right. And you mentioned a few moments ago the sheriff's office also had looked into this at, at some point. Correct. And 
Do you know if Fred Ak- the sheriff Fred Akshar was aware of it and was was uh, asking his people to find out exactly what happened? Um, you know, again, I, I don't know the details because it is an investigation. So, you know, quite frankly, once it's in that realm, you know, we kind of wash our hands of it and let the authorities do what they do best, um, which is investigating and doing what they need to do. So I, I honestly don't know to what extent uh, Sheriff Akshar was involved or not involved. But um, I know that they, their office was made aware and I know that the district attorney's office was made aware. And that's the only thing that I personally know. Have you been interviewed by the state police on this? I have not. Do you expect to be? Um, or do you want to, or, or do you want to make a statement to the state police about what happened in your capacity I mean, as a you, town board member? Yeah, I mean, re- realistically, I mean, you know, if they wanted to make a statement or they want me to give a statement, I absolutely would. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna seek a statement uh, with them at all. But I, you know, I would obviously give them a statement if they wanted that. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of things are fairly clear because, uh, as part of the new policy within the board. Uh, we actually started recording the meetings as well. So everything's actually live and recorded. And that was actually where um, the supervisor had indicated that um, she had made a traffic stop, not once, but twice during the board meeting. So um, realistically, it doesn't really need a whole lot of <laughs> additional statements beyond that um, because it's, it's in within the minutes of the meetings and it's within the the, um, the, uh, the video recording of the meeting itself as well. So given what you know about what happened... What do you think should happen with the town supervisor? Well, I mean, again, this is kind of an uncharted, uncharted territory for a lot of people. Um, we've tried to, to talk to the supervisor and give her counsel regarding a lot of different subjects, and, and she really hasn't listened uh, to neither myself nor Councilwoman Messina, uh, who are the two, um, you know, kind of standing board members, if you will. Um, so we're, we're trying, um, but I think that, you know, I, I think you made a egregious error, an abuse of power. I mean, that would be the same thing. Supervisor Sexton doesn't have any more power than I do. And quite frankly, if I went and I put a light on the top of my Tesla and went and pulled over a person, I would expect to get that same thing. It's not right. You can't do it. It's, it's, it's violating somebody's civil rights. So regardless of what the situation was, that's when the appropriate um, authority should have been called um, and not you know, performing sobriety checks and what have you. So I think it was an abuse of power, quite frankly. And I think that um, I think it sets a very bad example for the town. Uh, and it puts us in a very uh, precarious position. And you mentioned state police are now investigating. Who's actually doing the investigation? State police at, at Kirkwood or Endwell? You know what? I don't know the bureau. I, I don't know if it's at the, at the um, which station it's at, what have you. That's the only thing that I've personally been told. Um, I was told that by um, personally uh, by the district attorney's office that that was being investigated by the state police, and that was the last thing I'd heard. Do you have a sense that charges are being considered? I mean, I, quite frankly, Bob, I don't know how you can because the fact that you, she, 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 quite frankly, said right in the you know during the meeting that she committed a crime, you know, and she said that she would do it again in, in interviews, you know, and I get it. I mean, we all want to be helpful. We want to help our community. We want to help people if we feel like there's a position that we need to be helped, but we still need to follow the law, you know. And the laws are there. We might not always agree with them. The laws are there for a reason. And so at that, and at the end of the day, we need to make sure that whatever we're doing, um, especially as constituents of the people, that we need to make sure that we're being responsible. And uh, unfortunately, in this case, I, I don't feel like that was the case. But as you know, in August 2022, there was a head-on crash on the Vestal Parkway. And two people, two innocent people from Johnson City were killed as a result of the head-on crash that, that nobody was able to stop. 
Yeah, yeah, and listen, I mean, you know, she was within her rights to, to stop traffic and 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 do the lights. You know, I mean, that is something that she can do um, within you know that particular uh, administrative capacity that she assigned herself. But you know, realistically, you cannot do a detention. It's it, I mean, it's very clear in New York State law. I have the law. You know, I've, I've been shown it several times and what have you. And you know, a detention is only reserved for an officer. And she, unfortunately, she was New York New York uh, NYPD back in the day, but she's retired. So, and I understand that that's probably a hard thing to get out of your system, but we have an excellent police force. We have, Vessel is, is really one of the best when it comes to emergency services and first responders. You know, we have our own um, uh, volunteer emergency squad. We have our own volunteer fire department. We have our own police department. And quite frankly, you know, at that point when traffic was stopped, it was right near town hall. Officers could have been called. Folks could have been called. We have a, a great big police force that could have been engaged at that point to, to make sure that everything was properly followed and that it didn't put the, the town in a bad position. Well, just six hours ago, there was uh, no, another head-on crash on Route 434. It was actually in Binghamton, about a mile east of the Vestal town line, and that was a, was a very serious crash. So, sure. I mean, yeah, these head-on crashes that are happening on Route 434, whether it's in Binghamton or Vestal, don't you think something needs to be done and people need to take action if they see someone going the wrong way? Well, sure. I mean, listen, and, and taking action is, is perfectly fine, but this person realized their mistake. Um, they corrected their mistake. And then uh, the supervisor had followed that person to check for impairment and intoxication. And that's where the, the abuse of power um, came into play, is that, quite frankly, you cannot do that unless you're a licensed officer of the law. You can't. I can't. She can't. Uh, Messina can't. Nobody can uh, on the board. You know, it's just it's just, you know, that's reserved for those people that take that oath. Do you know if the driver has made a complaint to the town of Vastal Police or anyone um, else? I, you know what? I, I, I don't know that. Um, and, and quite frankly, for confidentiality purposes, you know, I, I obviously wouldn't be able to disclose that anyway. But um, I have not been made aware of that situation, whether it was them specifically complaining, but I know there have been several complaints about it uh, into the town. Vestal Town Councilman Stephen Donnelly, thanks for calling in. No problem, Bob. Have a good day. Thank you. It's 1123. This is WNBF Live with Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290. This is the Wednesday edition of Binghamton Now. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Hi, folks. NBF with Bob Joseph. Let's go back to the phones. Squeeze in a few more calls. Earl from Chokinut, you're on the air. Yeah, how you doing today, Bob? Good, what's up? Well, I just want to, you know, put my two cents in about the last caller. You know, I'm not a political guy. I don't care. I don't like the former guy. I don't like this guy, you know. I don't like either of them. 
But I think she saved lives. I think she did the right thing. Uh, I don't know uh, what political party she is, what political party this guy is, but I bet you they're opposites, whatever it is. And uh, when he said, well, well, then he got to the end, and that's when he threw in how he stopped, uh, she stopped uh, the person, the driver. Well, you know, is the, uh, I don't know uh, if it's true or not, but you, uh, all my life uh, since, uh, you know, watching Gomer Pyle, he uh, used that term, uh, citizen's arrest. Uh, is that a real term or no? I know people try to exercise it. I don't know in New York State. I don't think legally you can make a citizen's arrest. I don't know. I'd have to call my attorney to find out for sure. You know, Bob, I think she did the right thing. I think most people think she made the right thing. I think they're making it a political thing now. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? So I'll let you go to the next caller, right. and uh, thanks for taking the call, Bob. Thank you. Jean and Vestal, good morning. Hi. Hi. I'm I'm calling about the, the last two callers, and you can clearly see that it's political. Um, these Republicans, like I said, Donnelly, they're trying to make a big issue. And I am a Republican, and I did vote for Maria Sexton of what she did. And I think, actually, she should be given up award for stopping this she should maybe she should have a uh, a license to be a policeman here in Vestal. we can always use more i would think i would think that um you know if it was this is my thought just because i haven't done any reporting on this i haven't i mean look I, i saw i think the first published story on this was Jim Emke on News Channel 34, and I know there have been perhaps one or two other stories since then, and, you know, basically everything seems to be pretty much lining up with what people describe what she did and also with the concerns that some are expressing, but uh, I would have thought if it was a big issue, we would have heard from the Vestal Police Chief, Stace Kintner, to say one one way or the other, if if this is something he was concerned about, and he hasn't said anything publicly. No, I know it's crazy. And the person who was stopped, number one, they should feel bad that they had to be stopped by anybody, and they're not complaining. Doesn't sound like they have an issue. No, maybe maybe they're just you know. And I don't know the circumstances surrounding the person driving the wrong way. As I said, just uh, a little over six hours ago, there was another grinding head-on collision on Route 434. This time it wasn't in Vestal. This time it was in Binghamton near MacArthur School. At least I believe it was head-on. I I haven't heard the, the police haven't put out any details yet. But but I don't think anybody was, was injured or if there were injuries, people might have just been shaken up. But still, think about this. What if I was driving on Route 434 heading into Binghamton this morning? Uh, what if I was working the early shift? Sometimes I do. And that would be about the time I'd be coming in. What if somebody was driving the wrong way? If I'm heading east and they're heading west in the eastbound lane, what am I supposed to do? You get stuck. Well, well I, I, might, the be. next time, yeah. you know, it could be a deadly crash like happened in August 2022. Yeah. Whatever happened to that guy? Right. You know, I a, a husband and wife from Johnson City were killed in that crash, including a faithful Binghamton Now listener. He used to call in 
on this program. He can't call in anymore because he and his wife were killed at about 10 o'clock one night, just before 10 o'clock, I think, or right around that time, because some guy was driving the wrong way on the Vestal Parkway and nobody was there to stop him. Right. I know. I had it happen to me. I was driving. I was up by Red Lobster. I was driving towards Binghamton, and this car came right at me. They just came right at me. There was an old couple. They came, and I was like, oh, my gosh, they're coming right at me. What do I do? It's a nightmare. You know, and they were, they, and there's people, I look in my rearview mirror because I'm going to get hit because I'm slowing down because this car is coming directly at me. That was right after these other people, those poor people working at Walmart. They had Walmart jobs. And they were going home and got mm. hit and killed on the parkway. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy that she thought quickly and reacted. And I really think this is crazy. All and, right. And it shows how crappy uh, the politics are here in Vestal. In this small town Vestal, they're looking for anything. I'm. I, our eyes are open. I appreciate okay. your call. Yeah. Okay. No. We'll see what other people have to say about this. It's 1131 WNBF. Vinny from Binghamton, you're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, listen, I, I, I do want to talk about politics, and, and uh, like I've said before, it's, it's in everything, whether we like it or not. And, you know, I, I one of the things that I thought was interesting, I was just reading some articles the other day, and I was looking at uh, the Republican Party and uh, the Nikki Haley and DeSantis and Chris Christie and Mike Pence, and I thought this was interesting. All those people that voted for those people instead of Trump, they said it came down to two things why they're not voting for Donald Trump. And those two things are election denier and January 6th in stone, in cement. This is the reason why they are not going to vote for this man, and that's why they went the other way. And I thought, I said, you know, there sure is not too much about so much January 6th but the 1,300 people so far that have been arrested and convicted, and I'm thinking, my God, Bob, there must have been a lot of divorces in that, a lot of lost jobs, a lot of repossessions because you don't have any money coming in. And guess what? you got a criminal record now. You know, when you apply for a job and they have that little section there where you uh, apply for it and you've you ever been arrested, you have to put something down now. And, and me as an interviewer could pr- probably do it two ways to get out of saying, I ain't hiring you as Oh, well, wow. I thank, I thank you. Thank you for putting that down. Thanks for being so honest. Appreciate that. We need more honest people. And then as soon as you walk out the door, they're thinking, I ain't hiring you. You got a criminal record. Absolutely not. Custody battles for kids, probably. A lot of lawsuits. There's a lot of things that went on in January 6th. And a lot of people suffered because they did the wrong thing. And this guy ain't bailing you out. Okay? Trump's not bailing you out. And that's the part where I've just never seen a too many people, a massive, with their eyes so wide open, and yet they can't see what's going on. And that's why I, I you know, that's why this election. I know they always say this every year, every election. No, you've got to get involved if you want to see change. You've got to get involved. And can I just say this too about the three, some of the people that are running as independents: Robert Kennedy Jr., West, and Jill Stein. There's a um, the number one progressive uh, radio talk show uh, guy is uh, um, and I was able to get Tom Hartman, and it was interesting. He said, you know, back in 1969, 1970, he goes, I voted for Ralph Nader because I wanted to make a statement. 
He goes, in 2023 now, I wouldn't do it. It's a throwaway vote. Robert Kennedy, it's not 1969. Junior, it's not 1969, man. It was a different time back then. And we needed somebody like you that had some experience in governing, that had some experience of how this works. I don't need some outsider talking about climate change and COVID is bad for you, the, the COVID shots. Uh-uh. I want somebody more. I want somebody with experience. I want some, some vast experience. I don't want any senator's kid that has never done anything in government. How are you going to change government, Bob, if you haven't been in? How are you going to be a radio host when you know nothing about radio? It's the same thing. It's a throwaway vote. And that's, that's Okay, well, I appreciate your opinion. Yeah, oh, Bob, hey, I'm the only one talking, and I said this is my, this is my opinion. It's always been my opinion. Yeah, well, Absolutely. you're entitled to it. Yep. I appreciate your expressing it. Some people are afraid to express their opinion. Well, you know, instead of going after people and calling them this and that, no. Why do you believe that? I just, I just. Oh yeah, I, all, I, all I want the people. phones opened all the time for people to express their opinion, not, not to say I disagree with so and so or I disagree with the host. Of course you do. That's a given. Just tell me your opinion. That you yeah. know that it's a, a it's a waste of precious airtime when you say I disagree with the host or I disagree with a, a caller. We know you do. State your opinion. Get on with it and express your opinion. And support it with evidence. That's what America wants. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. WNBF. WNBF Live. Matt from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. How are you? I'm listening to this uh, story about the Vestal supervisor and what she did. And I'm like, wait a second. From what I heard, and maybe I'm missing some of the details. I wasn't there, obviously. But she saw that somebody was making a turn to go the wrong way. She immediately assessed the situation, realized if she went to the next turnaround and placed her car in the right position, she could stop any cars uh, from possibly having a head-on collision with this car and then went and observed the person to see if they were, you know, uh, you know, an elderly person had a seizure or doing, didn't know what they were doing or whatever. Uh, that seems pretty reasonable to me. And I, and I, <laughs> I just think that it shouldn't bring politics into it. Does anything like this should probably have scrutiny of, uh, of, um, to make sure that, you know, it's not a, look, first of all, in New York state, you can make a citizen can make a, an arrest. Uh, actually, the, I think the law should be tightened up or what, what kind of arrests they can or cannot make. Uh, but um, it's, it's, it is allowed in, in, in almost any situation. So, um, Well, when you were mayor of Binghamton, did you stop anybody when, if you ever saw them posing a, a risk? You, in your case, in the city of Binghamton, and correct me if I'm wrong, the mayor of the City of Binghamton is actually the director of public safety, correct? Yeah, commissioner of public commissioner. safety. Yeah. So I even had a ba- I even had a badge. So I, I you know, I so never, could I you? Never you never you never did it, but could you have if you saw a situation that you thought might involve uh, uh, people's lives being threatened? 
Well, let me ask you this. If I was mayor and I came across somebody and I was and I saw somebody and just had the right angle with somebody with a gun in the case and I and I uh, prevented somebody from getting shot, would people be criticizing me? Uh, I don't. Well, think you so. know, Binghamton, you know, I, some people would. Yeah, that's true. That's, right? that's I mean, that's a given. No matter what you did, it's my opinion that some people would criticize you. But I, I would think, say, if you saw a person with a weapon and you managed to um, take care of a situation, I would think most people would say, well, thank you for intervening, because some people would probably just freeze or simply call 911 and by the time the police could get there because you know there's even if there's a, a police officer half a block away there's a time that elapses for uh police to be dispatched and for you know they, they have to check you know say if something's going on over we'll just say at i'll pick a random intersection matt uh court and state Say there's right. a block from the police station, but that doesn't necessarily. Somebody was going to shoot Bob Joseph and say somebody called nine one one, and <laughs> and they would you know you know the chief right. would direct people respond as many units as possible to to avert a potential tragedy a radio tragedy so they would get there as quickly as they could. But what if they didn't have uh, a car like really close? So, but if you were here. And you saw that I, my life was in mortal danger, and you took action and saved my life. I'd be grateful. I wouldn't be complaining. I wouldn't say. Right. And I, I wouldn't say former know, former Mayor Ryan. I wish you had waited till the uh, officers got here so they could have saved my life. By then, it could have been too late. Well, my here's here's my take on everything I've heard, which is you know maybe I shouldn't get involved in this, but you asked some very good questions to Mr. Donnelly, and one of them is. Did the woman who she stopped, uh, you know, approached or stopped, what's not clear to me is, did she realize before she approached her that she was making a mistake and tried to turn her, was turning around? I, that's, I'm, I'm unclear about that. But, you know, even if she did, you still begs the question, is this woman okay? I don't want her driving off and doing something else in a couple of minutes that might cause another bad situation. So I think. You know, it's an interesting area of law. Where, you know, oh, it's, it's definitely it's an intriguing story, and I, I, I would like to hear Maria Sexton. She's always welcome to call in. She knows our number. But did the person who was did they make a complaint about how they were treated or about what what the supervisor did? She, I mean, you asked that question. It seems to me the way Mister Donnelly has been probing into this that that would have come up, and he would have known the answer to that. Well, and the other thing is, the woman, I guess it was a woman who was involved in this, if she's concerned, she should call me. She doesn't have to call me on the air, but she can call me off the air or send an email to me, bob at wnbf.com. If she has concerns, I'll look into it. I I want to get to the bottom of this because I want to know what her situation was. And I and I can understand, given the circumstances, she might want not want to talk on the air. But if she wants to talk with me privately and say, "Look, this is what happened. Please don't use my name because I'm I'm embarrassed about what happened. But I want you to know what happened." And then I'd I'd like to hear from her what she well, thinks well, about thing. about Maria Sexton, what what she did that day. Well, one thing I would say is that based on the fact that 
nobody and the local police is real. They passed it on to the state police, which I think was a good, good move by whoever's doing this because that takes kind of, in a way, takes the politics out of what happened, I think. I hope. Well, it and, should. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, although I will be the first to acknowledge I've seen some things happen with the division of state police that, that show me that, uh, as good a law enforcement agency as it is, it's not immune from politics. But generally speaking, the uh, New York State Police has a, has a very, very strong record of conducting independent and fair investigations. Yeah, just like uh, the case back when a certain uh, public official uh, went and took a person away from a felony accident scene and they decided to have the state police investigate that. And the state police did make an arrest, except it was uh, eventually was uh, swept under the rug. Well, you, you never know. know. Oh, I think I think <laughs> many people know what you're referencing. Anyway, appreciate the call. We'll see what others have to say. It's uh, Matt from Binghamton, also known to some as the former mayor of Binghamton, Matthew Ryan, eleven forty-five DJ from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Absolutely. We're very thankful to Maria Sexton for doing that. She could have saved lives. We're in a sad state of affairs. It's ridiculous when people come against someone helping. And yes, um, uh, the uh, citizen's arrest is doable in New York State. And I mainly call to say that the Satan Club was meeting in the Broome County Library last summer and most likely will be meeting again for summer activities after summer activities for children. All right. Well, but they're not meeting now? They only meet in the summer? No, not that I know of. They're not meeting right. now. It's they're, doing, they're doing a summer thing for the children. All right. Well, I'll look into it. I want to track them down, see how their their recruitment's going over the last 11 months. Personally, my my sense is it's not going well because you never hear about them anymore. The only time you ever hear about the after-school Satan Club in Broome County is if I bring it up. It didn't go well and end well because I ran. I went there and checked it out before we did. Well, uh, I think they ran. got scared. I think they were scared because there was opposition. Well, I think the woman that I spoke to who was a teacher was a praying warrior, and she said, they're not coming here so confidently. And I said, I'm with you, sister. I, so Broome County, you know, w w what can you say about the Broome County Library? They let them in, but, you know, at least and uh, well got out of it. Your your alma mater. Yes. Well, I'm. I don't know what to say about it. I I thought they probably were still meeting there. Thank you, DJ, with that update. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. The voices of the people. Which people are going to call in next? Stay tuned, as we find out on Binghamton now.
11.50. Back to the phones we go. John in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? Uh, I was just wondering, why would people say if he didn't do nothing? If she didn't do nothing, there's a heavy collision. And she seen it, knew it was going to happen, right? What, what would they have said about her then? Or she should have done it. You know, she's a person she could have stopped it from people getting killed. I mean, if she didn't do it, I think she, they would have blamed her a different way. Yeah, so it sounds like maybe it was a catch-22. No matter what she did, in the eyes of right. some people, she couldn't win. Correct. You're correct. You know, if there was a, it would have been a lot worse if she didn't do nothing. If there's a collision, they would all say, oh, she should be charged, all this other stuff. It's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. You know, I mean, the state highway, the state workers, there's an accident on the highway. They put their trucks in the way so, so, you know, nobody else gets in the accident when they're plowing, when they're doing anything. I mean, where do they come up with this stuff? It just amazes me anymore. All right. Appreciate your call. All right. Thanks. 11.51, Joe from Owego in a parking lot. Good morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, three things in very short order. I was watching the TV and saw Senator Schumer indicating that the the uh, Binghamton uh, the University Battery product, Project utilizing lithium was to receive $160 million. But within the hour, I wandered through a parking with a, a uh, hardware store on the Craftsman battery-operated lithium box. Uh, the Yeah, battery-operated chainsaw with the lithium mentioned on the box, there was a flame next to it. And I said, you know, what's the catch here? Then I thought, well, lithium is going to be utilized in batteries which will store energy from solar cells, which concentrate energy in two ways. They get hot as they are transforming energy to the electrical source. This energy portion of it will be stored in the lithium battery, but it may exit to the air conditioning unit, which will concentrate energy. Uh, concentrated energy raises the temperature. And the uh, there's a, a flyer in there called carbon dioxide, which amounts to four cents worth of a $10 bill's climate that is related to concentrating energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My point is we need Bob and Matt generating the forum where the public can get together. We can discuss these things. We can share ideas. We can do it on Monday. We will have a transcript ready for Gannett on Wednesday, and they can take a full page in the Sunday paper, and share the contents of the forum with the public, probably providing the public with far more accurate information than they'll ever receive anywhere else. My point is we need accurate information. We need a, a, yeah, a method to share it, and this just is one of the conditions where we could provide the public with a significant amount of appropriate information. I appreciate your call. Thank you. It's, I think that's a good idea. I don't know. 
that I'm going to be able to pursue it. But hopefully somebody can set that up so we can get more accurate information for everyone. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, it's Ron from Binghamton. I know you're going cl- uh, close to ending the show. Uh, just one brief thought. Uh, it's interesting that the supervisor, uh, Investel, is in trouble for a possibly life-saving uh, endeavor when we've got uh, politicians who maintain that they could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. <laughs> An interesting point. Thank you. I'm try to squeeze in one more call. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Is the, yeah, what's your first name? Hello? Well, sadly, it must be the sunspots that are affecting the ability to communicate. Sometimes, sadly, sunspots make global communication difficult or impossible. But I can hear you're there. I can hear you breathing. (sighs) 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 It's 11.55 WNBF. Hey, don't look at me. I'm just a facilitator. I'm a facilitator. I... I'm here. I have a microphone and a telephone. Oh, yeah, and a pen and a notebook in case any intriguing thoughts come to mind. Let's take a look at the mailbag. Oh, here's something from Scotty in San Francisco. Well, not in San Francisco. Nearby. We're we're actually quite popular in the San Francisco metro Bobby, shaking my head in disbelief, read this to your viewers. And then apparently he sent something about Mark Molinero. Sadly, I have no idea what it is because it it didn't transmit in the email. But it must be it must be special, or else Scotty wouldn't have sent it. Uh, what else do we have here? Mm, oh, if uh, a guest. I won't name the name of the guest, but we will have a very special guest coming up on February. I think it's going to be February. February 12th, we'll have a very special guest, somebody who hasn't been on the program in quite a while. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello, Bob. Dave. You leaving now? Yeah, just about. I have a few seconds. Close things out on a high note. On a high note? Okay. Uh, I was listening to Vinny, Bob, and man, if you're aligned with any candidate whatsoever, vote for him. Don't think you have to be as desperate as him to stop Trump. And <laughs> if you like RFK Jr., vote for him. But it's going to come down to two things, Bob. There's two things you're going to vote for, either populism or communism. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have, though. Okay. Take right. care. Sorry. We're desperately out of time. I wish they would give me more time. Three hours goes by so quickly. I'm Bob Joseph. I'll be back tomorrow morning from 9 to noon right here on News Radio.
WNBF and WNBF.com. News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.